It's good to be here. And um, I, I say this oftentimes about um, how we look forward to, to, to Sunday morning to gather together to worship God. And um, that this, this is a place that, uh, as we, as we uh, prayed in that, that prayer, this is a holy house where God's Spirit dwells. And uh, whether you feel like it or not, whether you uh, understand it or not, the reality is that, that God is in this place. And he is um, speaking to you consistently and constantly. And we are talking about prayer. And uh, last week I suggested, and, and I don't know if it was controversial or not, I think it was just a fact, that um, most of us don't pray. Um, or if we do, we, we tend to pray only when we're um, in crisis or when it's sort of our last resort. And why is that? And what I suggested was this, that I don't believe that many of us, that most of us perhaps, really believe that prayer is effective. That is, we aren't convinced that prayer really changes anything. We certainly don't seem to believe that that prayer changes God's actions. Too many of us spend so much time praying and praying and praying, and yet uh, we come away feeling empty, as though God doesn't hear those prayers, God doesn't respond. The other thing I said was I don't think that most of us believe that prayer really changes us in any significant way either. Aren't most of us, despite our sincere and heartfelt prayers, still mostly unchanged? When you look in the mirror, aren't there a lot of things in your life that are just the same as they've always been, in spite of your prayers? God, change me. Make me a, a new creature. I read in Scripture that I'm, I'm, I'm a new creation, and yet what I see and what I experience oftentimes is not a new creation. Don't we still struggle, many of us, with all the same old stuff? This week I had another thought about prayer. Actually, I had another thought about why prayer seems to be so difficult uh, for us. Praying to God, quite simply, is just overwhelming, isn't it? It seems so big. It seems so daunting. We have so many issues. We have so many requests. And God is so big. And quite frankly, we don't know where to start. We don't know how to begin to pray. And so for many of us, we sort of sit in busy silence, our minds preoccupied, we fall asleep perhaps, or we think that if we just read enough of the scriptures, that that'll do the trick, and it doesn't, and we don't know what to do. And so we do nothing oftentimes. This morning, I want to provide us with a starting point. I want us to consider where we begin, how we learn to pray. I don't want to talk about this to insult you. We are all beginners, all of us. None of us really know how to pray. We need to begin somewhere. If this seems elementary to you, that's okay. The disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. And I've asked God to teach me to pray. Let's roll up our sleeves this morning. Take a few moments and begin to learn to pray. Here's the first thing I want you to understand about prayer. Prayer is a process. That is, learning to pray consistently and effectively takes time. Real prayer is something that we learn and that we will continue to learn throughout our lives. We will never quite get there. We'll never master the practice of prayer. The disciples, as I said, asked Jesus to teach them to pray. They no doubt had prayed all of their lives. It was part of who they were. It was part of their religious culture. But there was something about the way that Jesus prayed that was compelling to them. They were with him. They watched him. They observed him closely. Something that caused them to see 
in him how little they really understood or knew about prayer. And so they said, Lord, teach us to pray the way that you pray. They seemed to realize that if their prayers were to make a difference in any way, if they were to change things, there were some things that they needed to learn. And so it is for us. If prayer is to truly be effective, there are some things that we need to learn. It's been liberating for me to understand that prayer is really a process. Because I think in our culture, we we tend to master things, don't we? I'm going to go to school, I'm going to get my degree in this, and I will master this. And for some of us, we have this sense of ongoing learning and training. But for a lot of us, it's like, I did my time, I learned this chunk of information, and now I'm qualified to, uh, to do whatever I do. That's certainly what theological education is like in this country. You know, you go to seminary for four years, you learn the languages, you learn to preach, you learn the Bible, you learn church history, and then you're ready to go be a pastor. I don't remember a whole lot in my education about learning to pray. So I'm in process as well. But it's been liberating to me to know that it's a process because it's given me freedom. And this is my prayer for you. It's given me freedom to question, to ask questions. It's okay to ask God questions. It's okay to question how we pray and why we pray and when we pray. It's freed me up to try new things and it's allowed me even to fail in that process. I've been challenged recently by the fact that neither Jesus nor his disciples, if you read the New Testament, ever prayed tentatively. They didn't conclude their prayers in the way that you and I often conclude our prayers. If it is your will, O God, God, if you see fit... I would really appreciate this or that or the other thing. They prayed as though they actually knew God. What a concept. They prayed as as though they actually knew the will of God. Jesus and his disciples were so filled with the Holy Spirit that when they encountered various situations, they knew exactly what to do and they knew exactly how to pray. And that's what I want in my life. I want that to be the first thing I do, not the afterthought. We're so confused. What am I going to do with my life? What am I going to do in my vocation? With my children? This, that, and the other thing. Do we pray? Do we earnestly seek God and say, God, show me, teach me, talk to me. Tell me what to do. Because I believe you will. The disciples praying was so imbued with faith that it often took the form of direct commands. Authoritative commands. Walk. Be well. Stand up. Lame people walked. Blind people received sight. Dead people were raised to life. And no, this was not constricted just to that time. This is the same God that we worship. Is it possible that this God still heals? Still raises dead people? Some of you were dead and you're raised to life figuratively. What I'm learning about prayer is that there's no room for indecisiveness. And I'm not talking about some sort of name it and claim it gospel. I want that car! Give it to me. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about praying as though we truly knew God and we believe that God hears and responds to our prayers. Because prayer is effective, because it changes things, we need to begin to pray with confidence and with the expectation that God will act. That's where I miss the mark. I think of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Remember the scene, if you've seen this goofy, satirical movie, The Holy Hand Grenade, you know? Don't get me started on this. It is so true. I mean, it's so exaggerated, but, you know, that's how we come to God sometimes. It's all about language. It's all about 
you know, liturgy, it's all about all this stuff. And, and I just don't think that's what God had in mind. The counting is three, three is the counting. Or is it, you know, I mean that whole thing. One further observation. When we begin to understand that prayer is a learning process, it keeps us from arrogantly dismissing the whole practice as unreal or ineffective. This is what I mean. It keeps us from assuming that the problem with our praying really lies with God. Isn't that what we do? God doesn't love me. God doesn't care. God's disinterested. Whatever it is that I'm struggling with, it's, it's small potatoes to him. It doesn't lie with his inability or unwillingness to hear and to respond to us. Perhaps we are the ones who need to change. And because it's a process, we have the freedom to do that. Perhaps we're the ones that need to consider some new ways of praying. Perhaps we need to spend more time listening than speaking. Perhaps we need to make some adjustments and try again and again and again to connect with God. Perhaps the problem isn't with God. Perhaps the problem is with us. Another way that we learn to pray, and it seems basic, but it's profound, is by setting aside a particular time and a place to pray. It needs to be intentional. There's my word. We need to think about it. As I suggested last week, prayer doesn't just naturally flow out of us because we love Jesus. Oh, that it would, right? But it doesn't. We're human. Choose a time each day for focused prayer. I suggest five minutes. Well, come on, Pastor. That's not very spiritual. I can do anything for five minutes. When was the last time you prayed for five minutes? Consistently. It seems brief, but it's better to establish a brief time of prayer than no time at all. Time of day, morning, evening, afternoon, it's really inconsequential. Pray when you're at your best. For some of you, you may need to figure that out. Pray when you're alert. I've told this story, but I learned to pray when I first became a Christian, and I was told that the only time to pray, if you really wanted to be like Jesus, was to get up early while it was still dark, go off to a lonely place, and fall asleep. And that's what I did. And then I spent all day feeling guilty until the next morning when I got up, went off to a lonely place that continued to get more lonely and more lonely and would fall asleep. Fact is, some of us are the kind of people that Jesus doesn't really want to talk to in the morning anyway. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It doesn't matter when. Okay? You aren't more spiritual if you get up really early in the morning. But you need to set aside time. We are all busy people. That's what we've been talking about. And I know that many of you Hearing the suggestion that you set aside five minutes a day to pray seems impossible. But the truth is, if we aren't committed to at least that, we will not pray at all. Or we'll say, well, you know, I didn't have time this week, so next week I'll pray like 50 hours. And we get into this cycle. And the reality is if we don't intentionally set aside time, our prayer life will evaporate altogether. And we'll just sort of wander around. Because we're human at least most of us here are human, after a few days or weeks of regular praying, we will be tempted to quit, stop. We become bored, discouraged, busy, disinterested. And when this happens, and it will, don't give up. Don't relent. Don't quit. Continue to show up. Isn't that difficult sometimes when you don't feel like it? Isn't it difficult to show up here sometimes when you don't feel like it? And then you're amazed because God actually meets you here in this place. If you miss a day, don't beat yourself up with guilt. 
Show up the next day and pray for five minutes. And continue to do that. Another thing, setting matters. The place that we pray matters. Environment matters. Pay attention to where you pray. The Gospels tell us that Jesus left his house and went off to a solitary place to pray. Now he's often hounded by his disciples, but that was his intent, and he did it. And he taught his disciples to do the same thing, to get away, to rest, to pray, and to listen. They prayed in places that were free of distractions, and we need to do the same thing. And I think this is so difficult for us. Imagine life with no pagers, no cell phones, no fax machines, no daytimers, no music, no books, no Bibles, no people, just you and God. And you're thinking, oh my. That's what I'm talking about. Imagine that. Just you and God. Do you find this frightening? You should, a bit. We're so inundated with all this stuff, all the distractions. What would it mean to get alone and to pray? Have you noticed that Jesus most often prayed outdoors? He obviously didn't live in Oregon. Lived in the Middle East where the weather was warm and nice. But he prayed in places of beauty. He prayed on mountaintops. He prayed by the seaside. He even prayed in the desert. Our times of prayer don't need to be restricted to the prayer closet that some of us have grown up believing that that's what has to happen, right? That, that dingy, dark little place in our, in our home where we can get away. We don't have to just pray there. Get creative. Try things. Get outside and meet God in the beautiful world that he created. If you get outside, pray. If you can't get outside, pray. But it's okay to sit in front of a window, you know, that, that, that looks outside. It's okay. Explore all the possibilities. You and I are in process. One of my favorite places to pray is on the Oregon coast. I don't do it often enough, but it's okay to walk along the beach by yourself and to pray. God hears those prayers as well. Be creative. So prayer is a process, and it's important to carve out a particular time, even if that time is brief, and to carve out a particular place, even if that place is unspectacular. But when we get there, and here's the crux, right? What do we do? How do we pray? What do we pray about? What do we say to God? Begin by practicing two kinds of prayer. Simple prayer and intercessory prayer. That is, pray simply and pray for other people. Thousands of books have been written on the subject of how and what we should pray about. But since we're all beginners, I want you to focus on what Richard Foster, in his book, calls simple prayer. It's the most common type of prayer found in Scripture. Jesus himself teaches it when he says, pray for your daily bread. Pray for the food that God will give you to eat. Sometimes simple prayer seems amazingly non-spiritual. And I think that's why we don't pray this way. Gideon, in the Old Testament, asked God to give him a few more reasons to trust him. How presumptuous is that? Simple prayer. Moses complains to God about his job description. I didn't sign up to take these Israelites out of Egypt. And this is a remarkable example. I don't know if you're aware of this, but Elijah complains to God about a group of teenagers that continue to call him Baldy. Right? Read 2 Kings chapter 2. He goes to God and he says, you know, this hurts me. These youths are calling me Baldy. Do you ever think of things like that as you pray? I mean, not the Baldy thing, but you know what I mean? Those simple things... Those heart things. 
Those things that hurt us. Those things that concern us. Those things that we deeply care about. And yet we try to concoct all this language and we come at it from around behind instead of just simply saying, God, here I am and this is how I feel. God already knows that anyway. These kind of prayers don't seem like the prayers of spiritual giants. They seem trivial and they even seem selfish on some level. But they are prayers that are real and they're without pretense. They're simple prayers and they're honest prayers and they're the kind of prayers that God desires that we pray C.S. Lewis described them as the prayers that we lay before God that are truly in us. And they aren't prayers that we lay before God that suggest to Him what we ought to be or what ought to be in us. They're prayers that are truly in us. God, this is who I am today, right now. Richard Foster says that even when we come to God in prayer and we're feeling distracted and angry and a million other things, that's what we should pray about. Don't set that aside as if though it doesn't exist. But confess that to God and say, I'm angry, I'm distracted, I don't want to be here, but God, speak to me. Well, simple prayer is the most commonly practiced prayer in Scripture. Intercession, praying for others, is the most commonly commanded prayer in Scripture. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in his wonderful book, Life Together, about Christian community, wrote that intercessory prayer is the purifying bath into which the individual believer and the community must enter every day. Do you pray every day, for other people? Do we as a staff at this church pray, not just on Tuesdays, because that's our staff meeting, consistently for you and for other people? When we pray for others, our world is expanded, and our concerns move far beyond ourselves. More than this, when we pray for others, we discover that God is at work in ways that we cannot even imagine or comprehend. That's the truth. Jesus often taught about intercessory prayer. And his teachings can be summarized in one word, persistence. Think of the parables. He told parables about people who would not quit asking. Parents, the kids, won't quit asking, right? When they're teenagers, it gets worse. That's what Jesus used as a model for intercessory prayer. Stubborn widows, needy neighbors, small children who would not quit asking, who were adamant about having their requests answered. And the point of all these parables is this. Persistence pays off. Persistence pays off. If we continue to persist in approaching God, He won't only listen to us, but He will respond. And not because He gets sick of listening to it. Because He loves us. And He'll respond to us in ways that exceed our wildest imagination. Pray simply and pray for other people. And finally, and perhaps most importantly, if we're going to learn to pray, we must embrace prayer as relationship, which is what it ultimately is. We must see prayer for what it is, a concrete expression of our relationship with our Heavenly Father. A concrete expression of our relationship with God. It doesn't get more real than that when we pray. Dallas Willard puts it this way, prayer is talking with God about what we are doing together. How's that? Talking with God about what we are doing together. In addition to all the work that gets done through prayer, probably the greatest work of all is the knitting of our hearts to the heart of God, building that relationship with Him. If you've ever spent time with someone at the end of their life, it's not uncommon to hear them lament all the time that they wasted pursuing vocation, money, and a million other things. I've never heard anyone at the end of their life 
express regret over the time that they spent in prayer with God, with other people. We have so much to learn, and we have so far to go on this journey. Sometimes it's overwhelming, and we want to quit. We're so off track in our understanding and practice of prayer, all of us. But be encouraged. Not only is prayer a learning process, but the amazing truth of the gospel is that Jesus Christ himself walks with us in this process and teaches us to become like him. If someone asks me, what does it mean to be a Christian? I think this serves as a wonderful definition. The Lord himself, by his Holy Spirit, walks with us and teaches us to become more like him. He teaches us how to pray. He teaches us along the way. So don't give up. Never let go. Persist in prayer, and you will be amazed. Honestly, you will be amazed. May this prayer of an old saint express the yearnings of our hearts. I want a life of greater and deeper and truer 